Generally, we like to think of the Gospels as the good news. Uh, Today, it's a little dark in the uh, world of our Gospel reading. But there is good news in the end, I I promise you. But this is a a really well-known, very operatic story. Indeed, it's been made into an opera at one point in time, in which uh, King Herod, this interesting character, has married his brother's wife. And this went against the customs and the laws of the time and the culture. And John the Baptist had gotten the ear of King Herod and gave him counsel. Herod regarded him as a wise and a holy man, and he protected him. He didn't always like what uh, John had to say to him, most notably that he shouldn't be married to his brother's wife. But nevertheless, even though uh, many of the things that uh, John told him were perplexing and challenging, he still really enjoyed listening to him. Perhaps you've had an influence in your life like that as well. And so King Herod really was not in the mood to, uh, to get rid of John the Baptist, and indeed he was uh, protecting him, harboring him. However, uh, his wife had a grudge, a terrible grudge against him. This grudge that was apparently so awful that it just uh, festered, and she was waiting for a moment to strike. And so this famous birthday party, probably one of the most famous birthday parties ever thrown in history, takes place. And Herod's daughter, here it says Herodias, I think she's better known as Salome, does this dance, this exotic dance. Of course, we don't know what she danced to, but uh, we like to imagine this uh, really strange exotic dance that she did. And it was so incredible Everyone loved it so much, including the king, that he said, I'll give you whatever you ask for, even half of my kingdom. Just name it. It's yours. A great example of, uh, you know, words that weren't so wise. Perhaps he should have uh, tempered that a little bit and just uh, offered something, but not anything you want. I mean, he, he was a king and he obviously had the power to dispatch with people's lives. So to offer anything that I could give you in my power, even half the kingdom, is really incredible. What's more incredible, I think, is that the girl goes to her mother, excited, I'm sure, uh, wondering what wonderful thing she could get King Herod to give her. Perhaps uh, some jewels, perhaps a palace, perhaps some wonderful thing that would make her life enriched. And so she goes and asks her mother, what should I ask for? And without hesitation, her mother says, the head of John the Baptist. So there was her moment. And the daughter, she didn't have to, I suppose, but she did what her mother said. And she went and asked the king for this grisly gift. And because of his honor and because he was surrounded by everybody who mattered, he had to keep his promise. And immediately he had John 
his counselor, his uh, confidant, perhaps his confessor, executed. The head was brought in and given to the girl. I imagine that she didn't have any idea what she was in for. Could you imagine being handed something like that, especially as a young person? And then she gave it, of course, to her mother, and scriptures end with his disciples, John's disciples coming to take his body away and lay it in a tomb. Of course, we can see parallels there between the story of Christ's execution and his burial, his friends and disciples taking his body down from the cross and burying it in a tomb. But, you know, John was not Jesus, and so there was this confusion even then as to who Jesus was. Was he a prophet of old? Is he Elijah come back from heaven? Or is it John the Baptist raised from the dead? Now, interesting that they would even think that because Jesus and John were contemporaries. And we know the story of Jesus going to the River Jordan, being baptized by John there. So they were at least once seen in each other's company. They were related. They were cousins. Um, Remember the story of his mother Mary going to visit her cousin Elizabeth when they were both expecting children. In fact, if you go over to the corner here and see one of the beautiful uh, paintings we have in our collection, there's uh, St. Mary with two young boys, one of whom is her son Jesus, the other is John the Baptist. They're frequently pictured uh, artistically as young children playing together. We don't know if they played together or not. My point is that it was known that they were two separate people. So I wonder why people were asking whether uh, Jesus was John the Baptist raised from the dead. And in the prologue to John, the Gospel of John, chapter 1, verses 1 through 14, there's, uh, John writes about St. John the Divine, writes about the beginning of the universe, about the eternity of God's essence. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. All things were made by him, and without him was nothing made that was made. When he talks about the Word with a capital W, that's in Greek, logos, That means Jesus, not a spoken word, but the word which became flesh and dwelt among us. And John goes on to write that there was a man sent from God whose name was John. The same came for a witness to bear witness of the light that all men through him might believe. He was not that light, but was sent to bear witness of that light. So we as Christians believe John the Baptist is the great forerunner of Christ. We believe he is the last in the line of Old Covenant prophets. He foretells the coming of Christ. Clearly he's a man of great wisdom. We don't know all that he said to Herod except that you shouldn't be married to this woman. But apparently he, he had great wisdom and great counsel to give. An interesting eccentric character who lived in the wilderness and wore a camel's hair and drew crowds from all over. He had his own group of disciples and 
as I said, did this unusual thing in which he would baptize and forgive people of their sins, including baptizing our Lord. If you go to an Orthodox church, uh, you'll see a big, beautiful screen which separates the congregation from the altar, from the sanctuary area. And through that gate, only certain people can pass. And usually depicted on the outside of that screen are large icons of uh, angels, Mary, because she is one of the gateways to Christ, and that symbolizes the gateway to the, to the altar, to the, to the sacrament, but also John the Baptist. And in iconography, he's often depicted, uh, when he's not a, a baby, as an adult, uh, looking a lot like Jesus, Similar facial features. You can see a family resemblance, but some differences. You know, his, his hair is usually a mess, and he's got the camel hair on, and he's often pointing away from himself as if to say, I am not the one who has come. The one who is to come, I am not worthy to untie the thong of his sandals. And so John points us toward Jesus. And in the process of pointing people towards God, pointing people towards God's will and God's law, he loses his life. Unfortunately, sometimes loss, things happen when, when uh, people hear what they don't want to hear, what they know is it's right, but they just don't want to deal with it, especially from a prophetic voice. But oftentimes it doesn't end well, even to the point of someone losing a life like John did. But that's not the end of the story. You see, even though we regard John as the forerunner of Christ and as the last of the old prophets, when John died, prophecy did not die with him. Because after John came Jesus. Jesus, the Son of God, who came once and for... See, the reason God sent the prophets was in order to admonish and warn and inform people about his will for them. And finally, he sends his own Son, once and for all. And so that, that type of Old Testament prophet was no longer needed. Nevertheless, when Jesus was raised and before he ascended, he, he said to his disciples, Do not fear. I will not leave you comfortless. I must go so that I can send you the Holy Spirit. And so, with Jesus' coming, with his becoming flesh, the word becoming flesh and dwelling among us, living and dying among us, dying for all of our sins, grafting us into the brotherhood and sisterhood of himself, with himself, making us heirs of eternal life. He gives us the gift of the Holy Spirit so that many things can happen, but one of those things is so that prophecy goes on. Prophecy meaning being able to express and receive God's word here and now and today. 
And just like back in the days of John the Baptist, a lot of times when we hear God's word, it makes us uncomfortable. And I think that when we are a little bit uncomfortable, it's a sign that God is leading us, God is stirring us to open our eyes and our hearts to turn our hearts from stone to flesh, to unstop our ears, to uncover our eyes, and to see what's around us. You know, I, we were just on a, a lovely vacation where it couldn't have been better. And I really like to sort of unplug while I'm gone, and I don't really watch a lot of news. So we come back, turn it on, and here it is. And so I see this really awful uh, video that was taken by a young woman in Chicago who was assaulted by a man uh, because she was wearing a shirt that said Puerto Rico on it and just berated about the fact that, in his opinion, that she was not an American, you know, yelling, are you a citizen, are you a citizen? Obviously she is, she's from Puerto Rico, which is an American territory. That's beside the point totally. The point was that just this person, just out of the blue, just because of what someone looked like, went over and spewed this hate. Now she handled it beautifully, and things are, are being worked out. But I'm sure she'll never, ever forget that. She'll never be able to take that off of her heart. So I hope that, that she can move on and help, uh, help make the world a little bit better place based on that awful experience that happened to her. But what is God telling us when we see things like that happening? We don't just want to sit back and be bystanders, do we? We want to stand up and speak up for those who can't speak for themselves. We want to stand up and help those who cannot help themselves and to articulate and express God's desire for the ever-increasing spread of his love and grace and reconciliation and forgiveness in this world until he comes again. So we give thanks for the witness and ministry of the great figure of the Bible, John the Baptist, and all that he did to pave the way for Jesus and for his ministry. And we try to follow his example in this day and age and build in, in doing our part to build God's kingdom here on earth and to pave the way for Christ to be in the world with us in our hearts and in our deeds. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.